Hello, everybody. It's Austin Ward for Letterman Row. It's Letterman Live brought to you by Buyers Auto. It's a game week Letterman Live, so it's we're kicking it up a notch. The season is finally here. We're we've back. Got, we've got the new logo on the wall. Zach's got the new logo on. Tim's got the new logo on. We are ready for the 2019 season, the start of the Ryan Day era. This is Zach Bourne, by the way, officially my co-host for Letterman Live when officially. he's in the studio. Yeah. Our number one contributor over here, Tim May, the most experienced man on the beat, uh, having him in here. Whenever that mic doesn't drop yeah. on the floor, everything is great to go. Hey, Saturday, Ohio State, Florida Atlantic. We get something new to talk about, something new to break down. I, I mean, I'm pretty excited. I can't really hold it back anymore. I'm so excited, man. I mean, it's a long time coming, right? After the the Rose Bowl and and kind of the beating that Ohio State put on Washington and you know the whole uh, for three yeah, quarters. Yeah, but well, you know yeah. what I mean. Given you know Coach Meyer, given the the whistle to Ryan Day, I think we're ready for it. You know, Buckeye Nation, I know can't wait for Justin Fields to get on the field and. Um, man, it's, it's going to be fun this Saturday. Ever since I was this tall, man, uh, I get fired up for college football season. I mean, college football season. And then when college football is over, I literally have a depression. <laughs> I mean, because it's like, you know, I mean, I do watch the Super Bowl and stuff. But, yeah, I'm always fired up when college football season starts. You know, of course, then you watch a couple of those games over the weekend. I mean, uh, Florida, oh. Miami. Oh, my God. The fourth quarter was crazy. And then the Hawaii-Arizona game, which I stayed up for. That yeah. was even nuttier. Crazy and, uh, but. You know, that's why it's this is very interesting to me. Ohio State versus Florida Atlantic the first time. Lane Kiffin coming to town. The last time Ohio State played Lane Kiffin, they put a whipping on him, uh, sort of, until yeah. late in the fourth quarter yeah. when it was hanging <laughs> on Sloopy. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, why, why wouldn't you be excited? It's college football season. All right, well, let's start there, Tim. I mean, Lane Kiffin, I, once upon a time, I covered his uh, very eventful season at Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> followed his career since then with a little bit of interest in that. After getting to know him, the one thing I'll say – about him is that for as great as he is at getting attention, that's probably the thing that he's most successful at. Number two is the way he works with quarterbacks and dials up offensive plays. He is, yeah. because of because of the attention and lightning rod, people maybe don't give him enough credit for the way he does that. And that's why I think it's interesting. These silver bullets that Zach's talking about, maybe re, re-earning that moniker again, this is actually a pretty decent test for week one to go out there and start. Well, well get this. I mean, you know, here's Florida Atlantic. They were 4-8 and eight last year. The year before, they were one of the dream teams in the country, Lane Kippen's yeah. first year. Because, like you said, he was finally the head man in charge yeah. again. He was drawing up all kinds of stuff, and he had players to do it. I mean, this is one of the transfer destinations <laughs> for, for guys from around the country. Because you look at their – just their starting backfield could be Chris Robeson, former quarterback – well, former – yeah, yep. former signee with Oklahoma who transferred pretty immediately. The backup quarterback is a kid from uh, where, where's he from Indiana, the Tronti kid, mm-hmm. and then they have another backup. The guy after that's transferred <laughs> from Kent State to a junior college, I think, to, to there. But then their running back, B.J. Emmons, he was one of the top running back recruits in the country like three, four years ago. Went to Alabama, transferred to Florida Atlantic, yep. <laughs> and uh, so they've got some sort of talent there. But they're replacing uh, what? four or five guys on their offensive line, which wasn't very good last year. And uh, so you don't know what to expect, but here's what you do know. With a, with a big-time running back like that uh, and the idea that you got to get some things established, they're going to try to see if Ohio State has plugged its leaks yep, in yep. its running defense. Because let's face it, that was where the big leaks were last year, the big, uh, oh, my goodness. And, yeah. and, Zach, when you get ready, so I'm talking about Kiffin dialing up plays. This is another Super Bowl for the opponent. They've got nothing to lose if they're Florida Atlantic to yep. go into the horseshoe to try and pull an upset. So Lane Kiffin, gadgets, you don't have maybe a lot of tape or a lot of uh, certainty about the personnel. How, yep. how will a player 
approach Saturday with this open? This is what you're going to see, right? Lane Kiffin coming, FAU coming up to Columbus. You're going to see trick plays. You're going to see a lot of quick-hitting plays. The offensive line is is young. They're, as Tim said, they're replacing a lot of guys. By far their weakest position on their team. So guess what? They're not going to try and line up and run the football <laughs> and go toe-to-toe, right, that we may see the following week with Cincinnati. Right. This is a team that's going to run a lot of four and five wide type type sets, a lot of quick screens, a lot of wide receiver ch- jailbreaks, trick plays, right? You're going to see a bunch of that stuff trying to get Ohio State to run sideline and sideline, try and match up for them somewhat from an athletic standpoint. But as a player, you just have – I mean, it's game one. You know this is a very uh, low major school coming up here, right? They're going to do everything they possibly can to set the tone for their season, try and give Ohio State any kind of game that they can. So, you know, as a player, you sit there and say, hey, I'm still going to read my keys. I'm still going to react from a defense standpoint. But you got to know they're going to throw in trick plays very quick, very often. Special teams the same way, right? Mm-hmm. You may see some, some kickoff return reverse. You may see some fake punts, right? They're going to throw everything at this Ohio State team because – from their standpoint, this is their biggest game of the year. Yeah, yeah and, the, and the true mismatch in this game is their offensive line against Ohio State's defensive front. Yeah. I mean, there is, <laughs> there's no <laughs> doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, Ryan far. Day thinks it might have Ohio State might have the best defensive line collection in the country. You know, we'll see if that pans out. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, they've got to do some extra stuff. But they are going to te- they are going to try to run at them a little bit because yeah. Ohio State. That's where it was vulnerable last year. And you have they fixed that? They're going to find out. That's an interesting one here on Letterman Live. Brought to you by Byers Auto. Uh, that deep defense line could be tested. Not not quite sure yet if Jonathan Cooper with that uh, ankle, which has still not been confirmed by no, Ohio high State. High ankle sprain. Don't don't confuse the two. Yeah. High yeah. ankle sprain. Yeah. Uh, a little procedure that uh, Tim and I have heard about uh, for him last week. Not sure the extent of that injury till Ohio State, if or if Ohio State chooses to talk about it. But that <laughs> might keep him out on Saturday. And then, then you might see some different faces out there. Tyreek Smith, maybe. Uh, he had a summer uh, injury concern. Not sure exactly how if he's 100%. Uh, so that depth could get tested. You might see t- Tyler Friday, Javante John Baptiste out there. Uh, see if they shuffle up some of the Maybe guys. Maybe see a little Zach Harrison. Yeah, Zach right? Harrison. I mean, Zach guy. Harrison might might be out there. We'll see how you know, that goes. And especially with the new role of what allowing to play three games, yeah. but being able to get redshirted, you might see Zach Harrison get some big yeah. time PT this, this oh, yeah. Saturday. Absolutely. That's an interesting one. I just throw that out there because I know that the most interesting position, rather than asking you guys what you're most curious about this weekend. It's obviously Justin Fields. Yeah. Uh, Zach, what do you want to see from him in, in game number one? I want to see him take control of the offense and, and make some plays, right? I want to be able to see him not only make some electrifying plays with his with his legs, which I think everyone's going to be able to see that quickly and, and often, mm-hmm. but I want to see him take some shots down the field. I want to see that long ball comeback that we saw Dwayne Haskins do last year, right? Because yeah. once you see them starting to, to make some of those completions and – taking chances down the field, it's going to scare some defenses, right? If Justin Fields is able to run the way he is and J.K. Dobbins is, in my mind, one of the top three running backs in the country, you're going to see him get the ball a bunch. But if Justin Fields is able to connect with those very skilled wide receivers down the field, it's going to set the tone for this season. They're, yeah, and they're replacing a lot of guys on offenses, you know, offensive front. They may have five new full-time starters based on Thayer Munford's uh, availability yeah. mm-hmm. on Saturday. And uh, the inter- but, but to me, the biggest question mark is, it's not whether Justin Fields is good, but how good is he? You know, <laughs> yeah. because let's face it, Dwayne Haskins Jr. They he didn't really start slow last year, but you didn't really see him hit his stride till the middle of the middle of the yeah, season October, when he really felt right. confidence and the team responded around him because right. he had the you know that I mean they, you've got to go in there and earn that uh, leadership uh, quality or the 
so I'm interested to see what Justin Fields does from the get-go. But they've got to play Gunnar Hoke and or Chris Chuganov yeah. some in this game because those guys haven't played much either. And so, to me, the quarterback position is the most interesting thing in this uh, on this offense. And at the same time, I think what you're going to see from, from – we just talked about it from Lane Kiffin from the offense standpoint, throwing trick plays. I think from the FAU defense, yeah. knowing that, hey, they've got three <laughs> new quarterbacks, right? That well, besides chugging off, right? But the other guys really haven't been here much. Right. I guarantee you they're gonna throw different fronts at them. They're gonna throw different blitzes at them. They're gonna come come after them, hoping that, hey, we can force a mistake, force their hands and making a quick decision that they're not fully comfortable with. The one thing FAU is not gonna allow Ohio State to do, well, maybe they do, but they're dumb if they do. <laughs> is to let Justin Fields sit back in the pocket, have time, be able to make decisions, and really think about where he's going with the football. Any new quarterback, you want to pressure him. You want him, especially with the offensive line that, that Tim just talked about, right? Some new guys up front, they're going to force those guys to make quick decisions, put pressure on them, and hopefully get the Ohio State offense in, in, a, uh, in, in tough situations. Yeah. But at the same time, you live and die by the blitz, right? Especially with a guy who can run like Justin Fields can – you can die by it. You could die by it because he makes one little dodge. I mean, if you watch the spring game, there were like four plays there. He would have gone the distance if it wasn't yep. down. You know, no, you're no. down. Uh, the other thing about uh, Florida Atlantic, too, they had a real tough time last year generating turnovers. I mean, they went from like one of the best turnover teams in the country the year before to minus, I think, what, what's what's the good, is it plus or minus? Which is the, the <laughs> minus? I don't know. You don't they were like minus, minus seven, yeah. 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 And, uh, but the, they're really hell-bent, the way I understand it, in trying to get that going, just like Ohio State's yeah. defense is. Yeah. That's one of their uh, uh, check marks they want to hit. But uh, you're exactly right. They're going to they're gonna try to test Justin Fields' mind as much as anything else. It's pretty interesting, Tim, when you talk about that Ohio State needs to get Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganoff potentially some reps in this game. What Sometimes we it's almost like forget that Justin Fields needs them too. Well, yeah. And, but and that's going to be a fine line, I think, for Ohio State, where even if you get up comfortably – which, you know, sometimes these, these tune-up games, you can be up in the second quarter and it's over and pull it. Well, Ryan Day may still want Justin Fields out in there, but that's okay. The flip side is you can't let him get hurt either. Right. right. So what are you going to do? You want this guy to be comfortable because you have two Big Ten road games later this month. Also, you have a Cincinnati defense the next week that's going to be a lot more capable on that side of the football. So this is a, I think that's a really interesting dynamic because it's the most important position on the field. And you could go a number of different ways and have a bunch of different thoughts in your head for how it should be managed. Oh, the number one thing on Ryan Day's mind, seriously, I'm not trying to say coach speak, is win the game the surest way. Okay, your opener. Yeah. It sets a tone going down the road. And uh, he's going to call on Justin Fields, I think, to do whatever it takes to win that game on Saturday, to put that game away. Let's put it, yeah. maybe that's a better way of putting it, but. You know, I never, never, I never take any anything for granted in college football. All you got to do is watch games. Uh, <laughs> but then past that, you don't, yeah. But the, you know, I'm to Zach this. You know, this idea that well, you're not going to run Justin a lot, or you're not going to do the like he's like some kind of like China doll that you can protect <laughs> on the football field. Yeah. You know, that's impossible. It is and uh, it's mainly you got to let him go out there. And the main thing I'd be interested in if I was the coach is the next three games, like I talked about a while ago, is letting Justin Fields find his game with this offense, with the guys around him, with the receivers he trusts. I mean, he's clearly worked up from what we're hearing some pretty good chemistry with Chris Olave, mm -hmm. with Benjamin Victor, with K.J. Hill, and some of these other guys in the passing game. And in the running game, they got to run the zone read option some because with him, the threat he is as a runner, and then with J.K. Dobbins, what that adds to the threat for J.K. Dobbins with, with this yep. threat at quarterback, 
you got to, you know, they're going to have that in the offense a lo- lot more <laughs> than last yeah. year when you hardly ever saw well, it. Well, I think what when Ryan Day talks about protecting Justin Fields, I think he's talking more of how many times frequency. Do we see JT yeah. Barrett, right? The yeah. frequency of runs and the style of runs, right? How many times do we see JT Barrett run inside tackle to tackle, yeah. right? All power. the time. Yep. Yeah. Quarterback power all the time, right? I think the times that you're going to see Justin Fields carry the football is going to be around the edge, right? It's going to be a read option where Justin Fields is beating the defensive end, right? He sits there, beats him around the edge. I don't think really in a game like FAU or really until they need it, they're going to have Justin Fields run inside the tackles, right? I I think they're going to be very smart about the way he runs. I think they're going to be very smart with sitting down with them saying, hey, we know you're you're excited to get out there and play. (laughs) Be careful. Get down. Run out of bounds, right? You you don't need to fight for that extra yardage just yet. And I contend that he is most dangerous – Scrambling from a from a passing situation. Oh, yeah, sure. Scrambling to throw. Yeah. I mean, a guy that runs a sub four point four zero forty. Sounds like you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it, well, yeah. the first ten yards. <laughs> the, I mean, imagine that. I mean, that, I mean, that's that's what they've got now. They've got sort of Braxton Miller speed now, uh, and I think a better passer than Braxton was. That's just being honest. Yep. Uh, and it, uh, if like I said, if he comes along, this could be an interesting offense. But you got to keep in mind, and Urban Meyer even brought this up on his Fox pregame show. And he's right. There's a big drop-off from Justin Fields to the next guy, Absolutely. whoever that next guy is. But you've got to bring those guys along because the backup quarterback almost always plays a key role at some point in the season. All right, prediction time on Letterman Live brought to you by Byers Auto. I believe the number sitting right as we sit here now on a Monday, 27 and a half. Wow, uh, what kind of lot. score prediction are you looking at here, Zach? Cover? Hey, Tim is the, the betting guru, okay. right? No, He's I'm the not. You wanted to start but, with Tim, hey, hey buddy. But, hey, don't worry. I will start off with well, – I'll start off the year, man. Are we keeping like a tally? Or we'll we keep a tally well, we keep on a tally on pick, keep, but keep tally on I don't think I've ever even gambled on a college uh, football okay. well, game uh, or any this, other game. Uh, well, from a from a tally standpoint, I'll start off with, with a win to, to start the year, and I'm going to say the Bucks are going to cover. I think it's going to be more of a – you know, high 40s, low 50s to a 10 type of game. All right. I think there are going to be a couple of players get off in this game. I mean, I mean, I think J.K. Dobbins talking about champing at the bit. Demario McCall, Beanie Wells' favorite guy, <laughs> maybe the backup running back. He's going to – he is bound and determined to make something happen. Is, you know, yeah. sometimes that hurts you. And then these receivers are – I mean, I can see Ohio State getting something going. So, in, in, in a nutshell, I can see a score like 48-14 or something like that. But, but really – and we're going to talk about this on my podcast, is the big question mark is this defense. Has it figured stuff out? Because Lane Kiffin is going to try to test them. And uh, well, I think 48-14 is a pretty good pick. Yep. So there's another cover. I'm going with the cover for Ohio State as well. I think they'll get into the 50s. I'm thinking something like 56-17 this week. Uh, and it'll be just enough where you'll see improvement, I think, from Ohio State's defense. But I'm giving Florida Atlantic some credit. Uh, and then maybe next week we'll still have some plays to pick on on Buckeye too. Sure. Uh, I think that would. I think everybody could probably live with that uh, at the horseshoe for Ohio State fans. We'll see. Yeah, got to play the games first. Oh yeah, I think anything in the high forties, high forties or above from from a point standpoint for Ohio State, people are gonna be happy with. And I think anything under twenty points, Ohio State fans would be happy with. Right, first game of the season, spread offense, Lane Kiffin coming in here. I think if the defense, you keep them under twenty. Offense, you score, you know, forty-five or more. I think everyone's happy. Don't you agree, though, Zach? This is a talented Ohio State team. I mean, uh, when you look at them across the board. Oh yeah. And in, in, in the, number one, they, you know, obviously they got talent on the offense. They can go a lot of different ways offensively and they, defensively. Talk about what that means to want to make a point that last year. 
Because you, you know, y'all went through that in 2013 yeah. where y'all couldn't yeah. stop anybody I, throwing the ball. Yeah, you know? I mean, you, you definitely, you definitely do, right? I mean, yeah. you definitely want to go out there and say, "Hey, what happened last year was last year," but at the same time, this is the first game that you've got four new coaches on the defense side of the football, right? So still, how are they going to – listen, this isn't, you know, NFL. You don't have preseason games. You don't even have scrimmages like like high school football, right? This is the first time coaches are going to have their headsets on, really communicating with one yeah. another, going through adjustments throughout the game. I think as a defense, you just want to go out there and play sound. You don't want to give up the big play, right? Granted, that maybe a drive will happen. Maybe a trick play will happen, but you want to be sound. You want to be on the same page. You want guys flying around in the football. You just want to show the difference – from last year to this year. I think last year guys looked reserved. Guys weren't running around with football. The effort wasn't there. I think guys were thinking too much. Yeah. I think as a player and even as a coach for Ohio State, going in from a defensive standpoint, you want guys running around. You want guys to look free. You guys want you want guys making plays no yeah. matter what, right? So I think that's the big push. And, hey, this is a great game for everyone to get on the same page and work together. When they flipped you in 2012, all of a yeah. sudden you were linebacker, yeah. middle line. What what was the what was the biggest thing that changed defensively for you guys? What did y'all figure out? I mean, obviously the thing that bugs you is what you brought up last year. They were not gap sound. Yeah, uh, it, it's crazy to think an Ohio State defense would not be gap sound. Right. But what did y'all figure out in the middle of that season? Uh, you want to know something? It, you know, no one's really asked me that question before in that context. But what I would say is when I flipped over. Ryan and I kind of looked at each other and said, hey, we're just going to get back to playing Silver Bullet defense, right? Mm-hmm. We were going to set the tone from there on out. And you had Christian Bryan in the back, who still I, I, I smile and laugh every yeah. time I talk about Christian Bryan, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. One, of the, one of the best guys I've ever played with, one of the baddest dudes on the football field. And I think when I switched over, the one thing that I told Ryan that I was going to bring to the, to the defense was, hey, we weren't going to take – you know what from anyone and guess what we're going to run around and we're going to play with an attitude yeah. and i think that is what transpired throughout the rest of that season and christian bryant was was bought in you know ryan was obviously bought in so all those guys when when you bring someone over and say hey don't care what we do how we do it we're going to play with some swagger and play with confidence and we're going to run around and, and punish people yeah. that's all you got to do yeah. that's defense it was, you know? di- it was different from that moment on it was crazy yeah it was it uh, completely changed that season a new one is about to start for ohio state we're going to let zach and Tim, get out of here. Time to bring in Berm for our recruiting update on Letterman Live brought to you by Byers Auto. All right, we ro- roll along here on Letterman Live brought to you by Byers Auto. It's recruiting time. Uh, Jeremy Birmingham, our Letterman Row recruiting uh, guru or coordinator or expert or CEO. I don't know if he needs a new title with the new brand, but here he is. Uh, Ohio State opens the season on Saturday on the field, uh, but they've kind of been – in this holding period through training camp and heading into the season on the recruiting trail. So what happens now, Berm? It was really, uh, really slow going through most of August. Is it going to change come Saturday and into September? You know, it's really funny because when we were going into the last week of July, it looked like Ohio State was going to be at 24 commitments heading into the end of uh, July, the start of training camp. And then, you know, from there, it's one or two or maybe three guys total um, left on the board for the Buckeyes in the class of 2020 because they d- wouldn't need a running back. They they could then be very choosy about adding another defensive back or defensive lineman, and um, that was that. But now, because of what happened with Bajan Robinson and Jalen Knight and committing elsewhere, they, they've sort of taken a step back, and, and the idea is to head into the, the football season with a lot of these guys entering their, their senior years, um, 
you know, trying to reevaluate tape, rewatching guys like Michael Drennan at Dublin Kaufman, rewatching guys like EJ Smith uh, down at Dallas Jesuit at, at the running back position, and um, really trying to reestablish some some bonds that were broken when they thought that they had that position wrapped up. And then it's just about finding the best fit to complement uh, Legend Cavazos and Clark Phillips and the and the secondary. Um, and but not I don't think much of that's going to happen in September because if you look at the Ohio State home schedule. September isn't exactly uh, a murderer's row. I don't think it's the, the the time that you want to bring kids in for visits. It's not games that are going to really whet the appetite for Buckeye football. So I think a lot of that stuff may even wait until October, um, and that's when you'll start to see things kick back up. So you've talked a lot, Berm, about the running back situation. I don't think we need to rehash it anymore, but we haven't had a quarterback conversation in a while. What is the latest? Do you still advocate or think that Ohio State may sign a second? Uh, are there options out there? What What is happening uh, with the quarterback spot? Yeah, I've been pretty pretty adamant in the fact that I believe personally that they need to sign a second quarterback in the 2020 class. Um, you know, there are some obviously who may advocate uh, more for playing the transfer portal again after the season and, and seeing if you can find a guy that has a, a two year window um, because because Justin Fields will still be there in next season, they're not going to need a guy that has to play right away. So you can play that, you know, gambling game a little bit, but to me, there are really good players out there at quarterback. I, I think the most obvious one, and we've talked about him is CJ Stroud out in California. He was the elite 11 champion uh, in 2020, beating out DJ Uge Ali and all the other guys out in California and um, guys all around the country, including Jack Miller, who's committed to Ohio state. He's a three-star prospect. Um, with with an intention of enrolling in December, the same as Jack or, or in January, the same as Jack Miller intends to, but he doesn't want to make a decision till December. So they would have time to figure out if if both of those guys are okay with that concept of coming in together. Um, Jack has continued to say that he's fine with a second quarterback being in the class, but it's easy to say that it's a little bit different um, when it actually happens, and you have to look that possibility re- really in the face. Um, Another guy that I've written about in, in the last few months who I, I continue to to think may be a better fit for Ohio State of what they're looking for is Cade Renfro in Texas. Uh, he's committed to North Texas. I think he's going to end up uh, having to make some decisions between like Florida State, Arkansas, a few other schools that are going to get in late um, and that have been, you know, sniffing around. But I think he's a guy at six foot four, 215 pounds, who really fits the mold of what Ryan Day wants at a quarterback. And he, when he was in Columbus in June for a one-day camp, I was really impressed by the way he threw the football. And I think that developmentally, he's a guy that may be a few years down the road. But to me, that's what they need uh, in this class to complement Miller as opposed to someone who could potentially be um, you know, fighting him for a starting spot. Not that you don't want great, you know, great depth or quality depth, but I think someone like Renfro makes a lot of sense. So uh, the way I look at this, Berman, you and I have talked about this a little uh, when we don't have the cameras on, but I would think that the likelihood that there is a four-star or five-star quarterback in the portal uh, who would have interest, because this time for Ohio State, he doesn't have to be a grad transfer. He doesn't have to be immediately eligible. I would think the pool might actually be more appealing for Ohio State if they did go and look at potentially Justin Fields' replacement uh, sitting out away a number of other quarterbacks, the Clemson ones that are scattered around the country. 
Uh, sell me on why that I, am I wrong here? Why would it be better for them to sign? I don't think you're wrong at all. And I think that that's, that's probably the holdup for the Buckeyes, and that's why they haven't um, gone in and offered a guy like C.J. Stroud yet, who they, they like a lot, and there's a lot of uh, momentum uh, in their favor. If they were to offer him, I think he would accept the, the opportunity. Um, but they obviously are in a position where they're looking and saying, hey, what is the best way here? What makes the most sense? And I don't know if that's waiting until – you know, February and see what comes around. If, if, if a guy like Cade Renfro in Texas decides to not sign in December, you know, and then you look at the transfer market in, in January, if he's still available, then you can go back and get him in February potentially. So uh, th they certainly have a lot of uh, nuance to this. And I think that's part of the reason why they've been so slow in, in making a decision because number one, you don't want to risk um, upsetting Jack Miller to a point if, if it seems like you're being too aggressive in, in chasing another quarterback, but you know, you want to make sure that everyone's on board with the decision from the coaches to um, the, the families of the players, the, the commits, their families and all that. So um, I think that, that in this world right now, you're looking at teams, you know, look at Georgia, look at uh, Clemson, look at Alabama, look at Ohio state. It's no longer four or five, five-star quarterbacks on the roster. You got one or two and that's it. So, I mean, we're, we're moving towards a, an NFL-style roster at quarterback when it comes to college football because these kids are realizing that there's 130 schools out there, and if sitting on the bench isn't doing you any good. So and I think that uh, it's certainly a realistic way to go. All right, running back, quarterback situation. After that, what's, uh, what's next on Ohio State's wish list or to-do list? The only other two positions they still have to address in 2020 is the defensive line and the defensive backfield. They're going to add one more cornerback. They're really pushing for Oklahoma commitment, Ryan Watts. That's a guy that I think there's a realistic opportunity to flip if he makes his official visit to the school uh, in October as he's planning on doing. I think that he's a guy that could really um, surprise some people and sneak into that class, um, despite the fact that he has been committed to Oklahoma for a while. Beyond that, you know, it, it, you we've all heard the names of, of Keely Ringo and Elias Ricks, but those are just not realistic options um, unless something dramatic happens, which I don't foresee happening at LSU. I don't think Ricks is a realistic option, and Keely Ringo has not been a realistic option for Ohio State for well over a year. So um, if you look at those two guys and then Ryan Watts, that's pretty much the, the main trio uh, of on the wish list, I guess, for Ohio State at, at cornerback. But Watts is the only real – realistic option at this point um and then the defensive line is really interesting larry johnson obviously has two commitments in darion henry and ty hamilton but they need two more guys and i don't think anybody has any idea where they're going to come from there are players out there like desmond evans in north carolina who um are ideally uh you know the the right fit and right player type for what larry johnson and the buckeyes want but that, he's not coming to ohio state he's going to end up narrowing his list in the near future and the Buckeyes won't be on it. And, and then they're looking at those combo guys. Like we've talked about in the past, they want those six, five, 270 pound and uh, tackle type combination players like Jacoby Cohen uh, and out of Charlotte. Uh, he's one of those types of guys. And then it, it's, it's really going to be interesting and fascinating to watch what they do over the next few months, because Larry Johnson is always methodical and always very, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say slow to action when it comes to recruiting, but he is building relationships behind closed doors that people have no idea about right now. And then those guys will end up visiting in November or December, like um, Jaden McKenzie did a year ago. And then all of a sudden they're, they're there. So um, it, it's, it's interesting to watch the way Larry Johnson does it, but the names are just not out there. And, and 
we won't really even know that until we start to see people crop up on the on the sideline at Ohio Stadium. All right, Burn. Everybody else on the show has already given their prediction for Saturday against Ford Atlantic for Ohio State. The spread is twenty-seven and a half. What do you have for us? I think Ohio State will win the football game. Um, let me just start with that. Uh, I, I don't think that they're going to cover. Uh, I think that you know, like a forty-five twenty-one type of game uh, would be in the wheelhouse of what I would expect to see. I, you know, I think the biggest thing is Justin Fields and how he comes out throwing the ball early. If the Buckeyes feel confident and comfortable letting him uh, stretch the field a little bit with the arm, they should be able to out physical uh, the Owls pretty easily up front. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think that you're going to see the Buckeyes be much more aggressive and simple as we've talked about over and over, but that could lead to a few mistakes. I think early where you, you know, just, Florida Atlantic is is better athletes than people are going to expect them to have when they walk in that door. So uh, 45-21 Ohio State is where I'm going. All right, Berm's on the record. That's the recruiting update as well. Appreciate that on Letterman Live brought to you by Byers Auto. Appreciate uh, Tim May and Zach Bourne as always hanging out with us. Finally looking forward to that first game and getting out there. Berm and I will always have that covered from all angles. Spencer Holbrook will be with us as the season gets started. Tim May and then uh, all that Buckeye Q. Letterman Live, uh, all those shows, Bermanology. Coming back for year two with you guys. We're really excited about it. So appreciate everybody hanging out and talking with us today. A little Ohio State football. Saturday at the Shoe at noon, we'll be there. Uh, come hang out with us, uh, and we'll talk about it all next week right here on the show. Letterman Live brought to you by Byers Auto. See you then.